all your college football needs, check out GoForTheTwo.com. Get the latest with college football insider Joe Lisi only at GoForTheTwo.com. to this Wednesday edition of the Weekly Blitz. I'm your host, Joe Lisi. This is part of the Go For The Two Network. we got a great show and plan for you today. Today's show is sponsored by Jersey Pump. Are you a gladiator or a spectator? Step into the arena of life at jerseypump.com. We're about 108 days away from the start of the 2015 college football season. There's some great week one matchups. My co-host, former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver Corey Allen will be with me a little bit later in part two of today's show. It should be a great show for you. We have former West Virginia running back Jimmy Gary, who played from 1993 through 1995, played with guys like Robert Walker, Chad Johnston, or Sean Vanderpool, played for former West Virginia head coach Don Nealon. We'll get his take about his days in uh, Morgantown and the current state of the West Virginia. Virginia program. When you look at this program overall, run by head coach Dana Holgerson, seven and six last year. The team started out very fast. Wick Clintrickett and wide receiver Kevin White started out six and two, but dropped four or five down the stretch to finish the 2014 season with a seven and six overall record. They dropped the Independence Bowl to Texas A&M. Disappointing loss to say the least. But when you look at optimism for West Virginia fans entering the 2015 season. You gotta say, how much does the Big 12 schedule play a part in the Mountaineers' success? I've been uh, questioning this for a couple of years now. When you look at West Virginia overall, can't argue the fact of the reasoning by the university to enter the Big 12 TV dollars and revenue for their football and basketball programs. But how much of a toll does this schedule take uh, an impact on this team in terms of traveling? This is only a 12-game, 13-game schedule, to say the least. You look at the 2012 season, which, you know, Smith, the team started out fast, 6-0. and They dropped six straight, had to win the last game of the year to finish with the 7-6 and record and finished 7-7 seven and seven overall when they dropped the bowl game. You look at 2013, team started very slow, got out of the gate very slow, disappointing, could not get back the momentum, and finished with a disappointing 2013 season. You look at last year, they started out fast with Clint Trickett and Kevin White, started out to a 6-2 and two overall record. Many thought they were going to compete possibly – for the Big 12 title, they dropped four or five down the stretch, finished with a 7-6 and six mediocre record. So I think uh, all eyes are on Dana Holgerson. I think he has some good players in place, but we'll get former West Virginia running back Jimmy Gary's opinions about his former alma mater. Jimmy, thanks for joining me today. Hey, how you doing, Joe? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me, Jimmy. Just 
Just a great career in Morgantown from 1993 through 1995. You rushed for 1,104 rushing yards, averaged 4.1 yards per carry, nine touchdowns in your career. Talk to me about your days in Morgantown with the play for former head coach Don Ewing. You, you know, playing in Morgantown was uh, it was exciting. You know, uh, I remember as a freshman coming in and, and walking from the dorm rooms, you know, back and forth to the stadium, you know, uh, people in the neighborhood would stop and, and talk to you. It was just such a friendly atmosphere. And, you know, I go back every year, and it still hasn't changed. The fans in Morgantown, they are amazing. And, uh, you know, playing under Don Nelling is, I mean, that was a uh, – a, a dream come true. I mean, the guys that are winning is I mean, he's won more games, you know, um, than you know in college football as far as coaching. But uh, this 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 guy is uh, not only was he a wonderful coach, but he also was a good friend. You know, um, Coach Nillen had that power to to bring the best out of you, best out of every player, and there were a ton of great guys that I met on my journey in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, guys that I played with, you know, guys on the field that we uh, uh, we had good times, bad times, you know, sweat, blood, and tears on the field, wonderful family. And, and it's always good to go back to Morgantown and see these guys. When you mention your former teammates, I mean, I just, just to name a few, you split time with a guy named Robert Walker who was a standout at Morgantown, another quarterback, Chad Johnson. You had a big play wide receiver in Rashawn Vanterpool who could really stretch defenses, number 26, and then two defensive backs that, in my opinion, really brought it each and every week. Talk about Aaron Beasley, guys like Van Washington that you played with, and a fullback that had a pretty good career in the NFL, Cantroy Barber, who just a big, big guy that could run between the tackles, but talk to me about the relationship with those guys and uh, your former teammates, what West Virginia football was all about. Oh, it's, I mean, the relationship, the camaraderie between the players, they're life-lasting, you know. Like I said earlier, we all still talk, we meet down in Morgantown, and, you know, it's like the best from the best all met at one school, and you know, during the time I was there, we had some great players, some great players. I know, I mean, in 94 and 95, it was just like injuries is what took us out, you know, injuries took us out of the honey. And in 1993, when we went undefeated and wasn't, you know, able to play for the national title, that kind of hurt our, you know, that, that killed our morale a little bit. You know, it, it was like, okay, you have a perfect season. You beat the best teams in college football, and you still don't get a chance to play um, for the national championship. You know, so we have the great stories, and we have the stories that, uh, you know, we really don't want to remember. But, you know, those are stories that we 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 we, we all know. And uh, the tough times, you know, we, all, we, we are always there for one another uh, during the season and after life after football. I mean, the camaraderie with uh, former Mountaineers is amazing. You know, my cousin Charles Emanuel, he also came to WVU. Um, once I got there, he came the following year. And Harold Kidd, Rufus McGill, you know, all those guys from Okeechobee, uh, Florida, uh, following in the footsteps of Reggie Rimbert, 
So there's a legacy there, you know, especially the Florida guys. You know, the guys down in Florida, you know, it's like we all know each other. We all played against each other. You know, no matter where you are in the state, you're going to know about each other because, you know, you read the newspapers and uh, most guys also participate in track and field. So these guys, are, you know, we're always amongst one another. So when, you know, you, you find a guy that's at the same school that you played against in high school or you uh, – um, basically uh, play with in high school, it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. And then you meet, you know, the, the wonderful, talented guys that, that are up north, like Aaron Beasley, you know, the Mike Logans, you know, Lovett Pinnells, you know, uh, Robert Walker. You know, Robert Walker and I, we were just like, you know, it was all about winning for us, you know. It was uh, – we, we both fell down some due to injuries, but we, we, we always said, you know, we got to make something happen. If you if you can't do it this time, I'm going to do it. If I can't do it, you're going to do it. And then we have some wonderful backup running backs. I mean, you talk about Curtis Keaton, you know, Curtis Keaton, Jeff Vincent, who's now the head running back coach at uh, Miami Dolphins. We have some players, some major players. You know, uh, um, injuries, though. I think it was injuries that, uh, that, that really, uh, you know, limited our season. Uh, because our expectations were high, you know. I'm talking about guys that will get you so fired up, you know, to wear the blue and gold, guys like Puppy Wright, you know, um, earlier in my career, guys like Puppy Wright, Lorenzo Styles, you know, Rich Bram, you know, to play with those guys. And those guys had, you know, Rich Bram had a wonderful career in the NFL, playing with John Browning. I mean, we we still talk. We still communicate. And I think at West Virginia University, that's the beauty of it as an athlete. You know, you build you build lifelong relationships. You know, it's life after football, it's life on the field, and it's off the field. You know, and, and uh, it's just a wonderful experience, you know, uh, to spend my college career there. You mentioned some great names, and I'm going to tell you how much I know about West Virginia football because a lot of the younger fans, they, they remember guys like Major Harris in the national championship game uh, against Notre Dame in 1988. But, you know, mm-hmm. 1993, you brought it up. I, I was going to go there after uh, I had an opportunity to introduce you, but you, you beat me to the punch. But 1993, with a guy at the helm that a, not a lot of uh, – Average college football fans remember in, in terms of college quarterbacks, but Jake the Snake Kelchner, as he was known back in Morgantown, who led the upset over Miami uh, in that great game in 93 that you mentioned. I mean, just some great, great players. You mentioned Curtis Keaton, number nine. I remember him, a, a slashing running back. But, and you mentioned mm-hmm. your style and Robert Walker's yeah. style. I remember that game yeah. in 1995. Yeah. I told you. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk to you, but 1995, when you went on the road to Chestnut Hill, uh, you were a, a significant underdog, and you dominated Boston College on the road. I remember, and when you think about West Virginia football, Jimmy, for me, it's blue collar. Great intensity right. that Don Neeson instilled in your teams. You never gave up. You fought from start right. to finish. And that's the one thing that when I think of, of West Virginia football back in the day is intensity. You brought it each and every week. And I, I felt that that came from your head coach, Don Ewan, and just really admired the way your teams played the game on the offense and defensive side of the ball. So uh, just great, great memories 
for West Virginia fans, I want to ask you because you played in the Big East at, at a great time with great talent that the Big East doesn't really get enough recognition as a football conference back in the day. You're talking about teams like West Virginia, teams like Virginia Tech, teams like Miami right. and Syracuse. Yeah. Talk, right? Yeah, right. Talk to me yeah, about definitely. those, I mean, those teams like powerhouse teams. I mean, you, are you talking about teams that – at one point had like three or four teams in the big, I mean, in the top ten. I mean, you know, right. you're talking about some powerhouse teams with some top-notch talent, Michael Vick, you know. I mean, these guys, we played ball, and I, I, I totally remember that game against Boston College. I remember Boston College because I, I remember Mike Mamula. I know we had to come up with a strategic blocking plan against him. It was like, Ken Troy, you hit him low, I will hit him high, you know. Is one of those things. He ended up jumping over both of us, you know. But those are the type of athletes we played against, you know. And uh, we came hard every play. And the thing I learned about Coach Nelson was that, you know what, at the end of the day, we're going to stick to what we play, and that's smashing our football. We're going to run it down your throat because we had the depth to do it. With myself um, at 6 feet, 225 pounds, tailback, Kentroy Barber, 245 pounds, 6'2", Robert Walker was about 195, 200, blazing fast. We had Leroy White coming in, Jimmy Freeman coming in at fullback. All these guys could have started at other Division One schools, every last one of them. You know, so That's we had great. The, the offensive line was amazing. We just had a lot of injuries. You know, we had injuries. A guy started going out. We had to move Derek Bell from tight end to center. You know, and uh, so when we played against those teams like Miami in 95, you know, it was like, all right, guys, you know, um, everyone was – the majority of the offensive line were playing new positions. We moved somewhere from defense to offense. And so it was one of those things that it was like, okay, you know, we're new at this, but you know what, just give us a little crease and we're going to do what we have to do. And that ended up being a really close game. I think we actually won that game. We got some bad calls by the refs. But you know that's the type. Those are the type of athletes that we have. The depth chart was so deep, so deep. You know, guys Absolutely. can just step right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. And, and I'm a big proponent of. Yeah, I know my college football history. I and I'll, I'll say this to the end: the Big East Conference did not get enough credit. I know they were known as a basketball conference back in the day, but the football that was being played in that conference in the late 80s and early 90s, they played defense and they brought it each and every week. And if you watch those games, I'm telling you, great, great conference that unfortunately isn't around anymore. They they broke it up a a few years ago finally, and uh, it's unfortunate what happened, but – Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to get your thoughts. You had many great moments in Morgantown, but for you, does one moment stand out above the rest during your days in West Virginia? You, you know, I have a, I kind of have a personal moment, and I have a team moment as a family moment. Okay. You know, I will, I will start with my uh, family moment, the team moment. The team moment is when. Uh, I would say out of my years in Morgantown, in 1993, when we beat Boston College, when we came back from behind, and Darren Studstill threw the the winning touchdown to win the game, um, that goes back to the talent we had. You know, he, he and Jake Kelsner was like myself and Rod Walker, you know, back and forth, right. back and forth. 
but no matter who was in the game, they were going to play hard. That was the most memorable game for me because of the simple fact that um, even though I think I was slightly injured that game and I didn't play that much, but I got I played some, is the fact that that game showed us what we were made of. To come back from right. behind, you know, it just showed us what, what we were made of. And to have, you know, 10,000 people waiting back for us at the stadium in Morgantown, West Virginia, you know, it was just a feeling that I will always I will always cherish. That's just straight pure love, you know, and and that's that's my team moment as a team family. One of my personal moments is, you know, um, coming out of Okeechobee, Florida, being a parade all American, coming out of high school, the top speed back in the country, leaving the state, which Florida State University of Miami. Uh, the Florida Gators, they all recruited me. And I left the state. I went to Morgantown, West Virginia. And so when I left the state, you know how guys talk trash and stuff. So, you know, guys that went to these schools in Florida, they still talk trash because we still see those guys. And so we meet the Miami Hurricanes uh, in 1995, the Miami Hurricanes. We meet them. And I had one of my personal best, uh, best games. Um, doing the fact that I was actually – I got hurt on the, the third play of the game. I think Kennard Lane uh, tackled me. It was a funny tackle, but it, it kind of twisted my knee a little bit. But I persevered and I kept playing. And, uh, you know, the, it, it, just, it just showed me that, okay, you know, um, no matter where you're from, no matter where you go, when it's time to play ball, you play ball. And my performance down against University of Miami, I think it was 25 carries for like 100, 100 some yards. And my whole family is Hurricane fans due to the fact that my cousin Cleveland <laughs> Gary played for the Hurricanes, you know. So you can see how important that was to me. <laughs> you know, that's my personal that's my personal favorite story, man. I mean, we didn't Those win the – I mean, Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we, we lost the game due to, I say, poor officialing. You know, I wish there was a replay in college back then. But you know what? I, I shut a lot of people up, you know, just from my personal um, performance. Uh, and also Charles That's Emanuel. I mean, he, he went through the same thing, my, my cousin, you know. My, my whole right. family were Mountaineer, I mean, were uh, Universal Miami Hurricane fans, you know. It was like, okay, University of Miami is my first best team, but West Virginia is my second best team. But our parents, of <laughs> course, were, were rooting for us. You know, were, right. were rooting for the Mountaineers. But it was all fun and games. It was fun. And uh, Ice Cube actually came to the game. It's a funny story, man. Funny story. We were in the no, hotel. Chilly. No, chilly. Yeah, 1995, University of Miami. We, in, we were in the hotel. We see Ice Cube. And J.T. Thomas, <laughs> J.T. Thomas, another wonderful player, uh, was talking to, you know, his, his guys, his camp, you know, and told them about the game and said if they wanted to come, you know, they should come. So they came to the game, and they sat in the Mountaineer section, you know, and they were Mountaineers <laughs> for that game. That was a wonderful feeling, man. That was a, a, I mean, those type of stories, you know, are like defining moments in, in our lives. 
And so they those are the ones that make you smile, you know? I agree with you, and that's why I love hearing your stories about college football because, to me, that's what the game epitomizes, not just the, the games and the, and the results, but it's the, the camaraderie. It's about hearing about your teammates and how you're still passionate about your alma mater. You still go back, hearing about those rivalries that not a lot of, you know, the average NFL fan doesn't really, if they, if they don't understand college through and through, they can't grasp what these college rivalries mean to the players. And that's why I love the collegiate game because it is those rivalries that you mentioned, West Virginia, Boston College back in the day, West Virginia, Miami, you know, West Virginia, Pittsburgh, which the backyard brawl, which is is incredible incredible to me. And and we'll we'll get your feelings on that too. And, And that's what I think is so great hearing about your stories on top of the great work that you do. And we'll get into what you're doing now in a little bit, but I want to, I want to talk about your, your, your uh, opinions about your team. And I, I want to bring up a, 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 fa- a statement and see if you agree with me. I think it's great that the university joined the big 12, uh, understand why they did it in terms of the revenue that it brings the program and everything else that uh, the exposure that was much needed to West Virginia. I got that. The thing that I think will hurts the program as a whole from a football perspective is where West Virginia is located towards the other schools in the Big 12. I mean, we've seen it now over the last few years where the team starts fast and then at the end of the season tails off. And I, and I believe it's due to the fact of the consistent trips to Texas, to Oklahoma. You know, you're no longer traveling to Virginia Tech and Boston College and Miami all within, you know, reasonable uh, amount of travel time. Now you're taking these long trips to Texas back and forth. Do you think that in Oklahoma, do you think that that has an effect on the football team as a whole? Well, you know, I can say that as far as the traveling, I don't think so because the travels are so comfortable, you know, right. for the football team. You know, it's it's comfortable. You know, you you plan. They they plan well. You know, you get there ahead of time. You know, you're well rested. Um, and I mean, it's a wonderful experience. You're going to new places. I think for the football team, is good. It's it's a good thing. You know, I think for the fans, I think you know the fans. You know. Uh, it's a difference in driving to Texas and driving down to Virginia Tech, you know, for the fans. And I I think that, um, um, you know, our attendance um, in these other places now being in the Big 12, um, I don't know my stats, but I don't know if they decreased or increased since we moved out of the Big East. I'm not sure. But I personally, I think that that's, the only thing that uh, um, kind of got the you know the lower half of the stick, the fans, because they some right. of them can't travel. And trust me, I I love West Virginia Mountaineers. I love the fans so much. These those people are like the world to me because, um, I mean the the stories that you know that that I was told. You know this one guy, he was on his deathbed. And he just wanted to meet a mountaineer, you know. Wow. And this young lady, she uh, she basically told me about it, and it was like a last-minute thing, you know, and a friend of mine, you know, from the church. And she took me over there, right. and I talked with him. I spoke with him. And by the time I can tell the team, I think he passed away like the next day. 
But, I mean, those type of stories. So, I mean, uh, that's why it's so important that the West Virginia Mountaineers, the fans, pack those stadiums during the home games and, and, and continue to show the love for the Mountaineers. Because sometimes decisions are made, um, the business decisions, you know, are made. And, you know, I don't know how long West Virginia will be in the Big 12. Uh, I have no idea. You know, um, things change nowadays. You know, as well as I know, things change quickly, you know. So we don't know. So I think that we're – every. I think a lot of uh, colleges uh, – uh, dealing with college football and, and dealing with the NCAA, a lot of transitioning is going on now because the world is changing. A lot of things are changing. Recruiting is changing. A lot of things are changing. So I think people people adapt. And I think Oliver Luck came into WVU and uh, he took West Virginia where he thought the next step, the next step would be in order to adapt to what's going on um, in the world, you know. Um, not saying that, you know, West Virginia will be there forever, uh, you know, because things change, you know. Um, but I know at the end of the day, when the Mountaineers step on the field, they're, they're going to pray. I don't care if they're playing on Mars, Jupiter. <laughs> I don't care where, where they're going to, you know, they're going to play. You know, you win some, you lose some. But, you know, traveling isn't going to affect their performance. You know, I okay. mean, um, piss poor planning, <laughs> you know, um, individual piss for planning affects, <laughs> excuse me, performances. Guys not being ready, you know, uh, not um, um, really taking opponents uh, seriously, uh, you know, things like that, you know, um, game plans, schemes, but these guys are well-rested. I mean, I, I, look, if I would have been playing right now, it would have been a whole different ball game because these guys have <laughs> so much I mean, their level of comfort is just amazing, you know. Right. I mean, they, right. they, they, yeah, you know, they got plenty enough time, you know, to rest up and, and things like that. But um, right, it's just the fans, the fans. That's why it's important that they keep the Mountaineer field. They keep it packed on game day and show the Mountaineers love. Because to be honest with you, as a player, and I, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the guys feel this way too, as a player, you know. When we moved to the Big 12, that was probably some of the first things the players were, you know, that was their concerns or, uh, uh, you know, that's what they were talking about. Like, wow, how are the fans, how are the fans going to travel to all these places? Because our fans play a big part in our performance because we uh, uh, we really feed off their energy. There, there are no fans like Mountaineers, you know, um, and we feed off their energy. We feed off of it. So that's important. It's important. I'm glad you asked me that because I, I, I like you know, um, I've been asked that question before, and uh, just to think about it as a former player, um, will distance affect the way I play, or will it affect the way my team performed? I don't think so. You know, um, but yeah, that's my opinion on it. 
No, great insight, and that's why I asked you, because everybody's got to take, and that's a great point about the fans. I mean, as a fan and you want to go see your team play, you're right, you're no longer going to Virginia Tech, Boston College, where it may be a few hours or five-hour drive now uh, to take a road trip to Oklahoma, Waco, Texas, or uh, Fort Worth, Texas, is a lot longer uh, than going to Boston College or Virginia Tech or even Miami sometimes for that matter. So great points that you brought up about the fans not being able to attend as easily as they would have liked. When you look at this team overall, Dana Holgerson, he's brought in a great offensive mind. Do you feel, in your opinion, that the pressure's on the coaching staff this year to get back and win a bowl game? Last year they did get back to a bowl. They dropped their independence to the Southeastern Conference Team Texas A&M, but talk to me about what your opinion about this coaching staff. Do you think they'll be there for the next few years, or, or is the pressure on? Well, you know, the coaching staff, you know, is their job to come up with the game plan. You know, and it, at the end of the day, you can put any game plan in the mix, and it, it comes down to the players. You know, it's, it comes down to what those guys do on the field. You know, I mean, in '93. We we won games playing smashing our football. People knew what we were going to do. They knew it. Right. They just couldn't stop it. You know. So at the end of the day, it's about the guys on the field. It's about their uh, how much do they want to win. You know. The coach can put in the the the, the whole system for them, but they're the ones on the field playing. You know. Um, as far as Dana Hogan and the coaching staff, you know. Being there the next two years, it just it just depends. Every coach in America, every year, I don't care what their record is, they're gonna have pressure because that's just that's just the nature of the beast. That pressure is gonna be there. It's gonna be there. If Dana Hogerson went, if we went eleven and zero last year, there will be just as much pressure on him this year as it is on him now because that's just that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. I agree with that. It doesn't matter yeah. where you coach in today's landscape. Uh, there's going to be pressure each and every week. Even Nick Saban at Alabama has pressure in one way or another. You can't go 10-2 and two every year at Alabama because expectations are to win the national championship. He's set expectations that way. So you're absolutely right. Every coach coaching D1 football across every conference is under pressure each and every week. So that's a great point. Is there oh, yeah. one guy you have a chance to – had a chance to visit the university uh, uh, recently. Is there one guy that you saw play last year that you really admire the way he plays the game? I mean, uh, former for, uh, wide receiver Kevin White moved on to the NFL, star wide receiver that moved on to Chicago. But uh, when you look at the running backs, Russell Shell, you, you like the way he plays? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, no, no doubt about it. You know, um, he runs hard. You know, and and. One of the main things is that, you know, it's as a running back, you know, I look at talent as a running back, as a former running back, I look at the talent that the Mountaineers have in the backfield in their exceptional talent. But it all falls down to that offensive line when it comes to running back. You know, it it falls down to the relationship between the running backs and the offensive line. You know, they have to be on one accordance. They have to be on key, just like the quarterback in the center. 
And those running backs in the offensive line have to be on key. And, you know, um, I didn't get a chance to really take a in-depth look at the offensive line because I was in and out when I went down to Morgantown. I was in and out. Um, but if that offensive line plays the way that they know how to play Mountaineer football, the running backs will have a big year. They'll have a, a, a big right. year. If that offensive line plays like they, you know, if they play Mountaineer football, then the running backs will have a big year. Now, um, I went down to the screen game and, you know, personally, do I think that the screen game that I saw this year, did it blow me away to like, wow, it didn't blow me away, but that doesn't mean anything because 1993, our screen game wasn't wow. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that. And we ended up going undefeated. So we just, you just never, you just never know. I just know the, 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 you know, the basics of football is that if you have an offensive line that can push people out of the way, you will have a running game. Even if your passing game is not that good, you will have some type of running game. If you got hard-nosed guys that can get out there on that field and 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 just lay it down on the line every week and push guys out of the way and play with a purpose, those running backs will have really good years. Great point. I, uh, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, they have a they have a, a easy first couple of games, but then their schedule really gets tough uh, in the third week of the season. So we'll see how the Mountaineers perform in this Big 12 2015 campaign. But Jimmy, I know that there's life after football. After your career at West Virginia, you moved on to an acting career, a very successful acting career. Talk to me about that. You made some movies and uh, we're on a bunch of uh, series on television. So talk to me about how you got involved in acting and what you're doing currently. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, after, uh, after I left West Virginia, um, university, I went to Seattle and I, I got injured at Seattle, so I had to, you know, restructure my life and figure out what I wanted to do. So I went back to West Virginia and enrolled into the BFA acting program. And I stayed there a couple, uh, I stayed there a year and a half and I auditioned for a film in New York. I auditioned for a film in Pittsburgh that was shooting in New York City. And I auditioned for the film, and I, I booked the role. So I was off to New York for the film. And that was back in 2000. So I've I've been in New York for about 15, oh, God, 15 years now, you know, pursuing my acting career. But on my journey, you know, um, I've, I've been, you know, blessed to uh, – you know, being all my children, uh, that was one of the one of my first things that I, I did back in 2005, I think. Um, and you know, I've done over basically uh, probably about 30 professional productions, including um, Nurse Jackie. I played the character of Marco Prince on Nurse Jackie, um, second season. Um, this year uh, was a wonderful year. I uh, I'm recurring. I have a recurring role on Orange is the New Black, uh, premiering um, June 12th on Netflix, and uh, such a wonderful atmosphere to be in. You know, um, it's it's amazing when you work with people where 
you know, um, it's work, but it's also um, it's, it's fun. You know, it's you, you know the people, the person standing next to you, genuinely, you know, love you not just for your craft, but as a person. You know, it's such a wonderful environment. And when I spoke with Ginger Cohen at the rap party, you know, she said, "Welcome to the family." And I'm, I'm telling you, it it uh, it really feels like a family. It gives you that same. It gives me. It gave me that same feeling. <clears throat> um, that I had when I first got into Morgantown, West Virginia, you know, just that, uh, just pure and just, you know, um, people were just friendly and they 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 brought you in, you know, they didn't say, okay, you figure it out on your own or whatever. They, you know, they genuinely care about you. And uh, as I get older, you know, in this industry that I'm in. Um, you know, I I realize that you know you can be on a hit television show or you can be in a uh, you know one of the top grossing movies you know um, ever, um, but at the end of the day, you want to enjoy and, and really like the people that you work with. And I've just been blessed to um, um, have a, a wonderful career um, in acting. Uh, I enrolled into the BFA program at West Virginia University, and I had great mentors, Jerry McGonigal, Philip Beck, you know, uh, just wonderful people, uh, uh, Teresa Davis. These are professors at West Virginia University and run Ione, West Virginia Public Theater. They they gave me my first shot. You know, I had never did musical theater before, and, uh, I did a summer season with them, and I was on stage singing and dancing and, and and acting, and it was just such a wonderful feeling. And all that happened in Morgantown, you know. Um, I did Showboat, Man of La Mancha, Unsinkable Molly Brown, A Christmas Carol. I got a chance to perform with people, Bill and Susan Hayes from Days of Our Lives. You know, I got a chance to meet professional artists and uh, and, and really hone my craft as an actor. And I, I just thank Run Ione for that. And the assistant, Marla, who heard me singing in the hallway, walking in the CAC building, and asked me did I want to be in a play. <laughs> you know, I had no idea it was going to end, end like, you know, it was going to lead to this. But uh, West Virginia Public Theater is where I got my start. And as an actor, they, they took me in, and I just ran with it from there. Uh, came to New York. Um, I had a little bit of, you know, had some hiccups. I ended up being homeless um, for about six months. I bought a car for a hundred bucks. I lived in it because I was, uh, you know, I refused to be denied, or I was just too, I guess, ignorant at the time of gullible to realize I was homeless in New York City, sleeping in the car, you know. But I, I you know, I did that with a smile on my face because I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew, you know, what it was going to take. You know, it was hard for um, it's hard for actors in New York to get housing when it's, things are not steady, you know. And I didn't know anyone, so I, I kind of just had to play, you know. I just find my way through, you know, and uh, I, I got a lot of support, you know. I, I started uh the um, West Virginia University Alumni chapter here in New York. 
I hooked up with them. I hooked up with uh, some other wonderful people that helped me along my way in my journey. And now I can say that, you know, that was early, earlier in my career, you know, my trials and tribulations that I went through. And they say, you know, every actor has that story. Yeah, a lot of them do. A lot of them do, and it's real. It's real, but it's just... You know, the same drive that I put into football, you know, I put into acting. You know, I would have had a long career in football in the NFL if I wouldn't have gotten hurt because I know I know where my dreams and goals were. And so when I, when the football was over, I just shifted everything over to acting. And I just didn't want to step out there and act. I wanted to actually learn how to do it. I knew it was a craft, just like football. Football is a craft. You know, you start playing peewee. And you learn the basics, you learn the foundation of it, and the more years you play, the better you get. And the same thing, you know, with acting. I, I took that same approach. You know, I fell in love. The acting bug hit me, and, uh, you know, I've been blessed to be on shows like Law & Order, um, Ugly Betty, uh, um, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. That's coming out this year that I shot with Dennis Leary on FX. I have a um I shot a film called Adderall Diaries with James Franco, Ed Harris, Amber Heard, um wonderful director, Pamela Romanowski. Um just so wonderful, um, as a director, you know. She she was so warm and um she really knows how to bring the best out of an actor. Um and <clears throat> I worked on a film called Money Monster with Julia Roberts uh, I didn't actually work with Julia Roberts. I wish, but I was honored just to be directed by Jodie Foster. You know, just to listen to their guidance and and to grow as an actor, to grow as a person and as a human being. And you know, I I, I I'm I'm always going to love and take it back to West Virginia because you know, um, you know, it started there. You know, people gave me, uh, you know, they gave me a chance. You know, um, and it came to me, uh, that that opportunity, and I just ran with it. And I just kept going with it. I think I told one person I wanted to be an actor if football didn't work out. And so when I got hurt, next thing you know, I'm back in Morgantown in acting school, and things just took off from there, you know. Uh, I do a lot of theater also, and also a lot of commercials. Um, um, Hellman's Light Mayonnaise, uh, Starburst commercial. So I'm a working actor. I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful because this, this, this tough. Trust me, it's tough. Right. Because after one job is over, you got to say, okay, now I'm unemployed. I got to find another job. And to get that job, you have to go audition. And your auditioning is that's still not guaranteed that you have a job. So, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I must be doing something right, and I, I'm grateful for it. I thank God that he just placed good people in my life. You know, he guided me from Okeechobee, Florida, a small town in Okeechobee, Florida. Against all odds and against everybody else's opinion, I thank God that he, he led me to West Virginia, to Morgantown, West Virginia, because the life that I have now, is the life after football, and it's a life that gives me that same drive, that same mo- that that same energy. It gets me, it 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 fuels me to be able to do what I do, and um, and that that's just a wonderful feeling that uh, you know all that was inspired 
out of Morgantown, West Virginia. That's great. And that's, again, I think you're a true inspiration. And to hear your story about how you were homeless and how you overcame the odds, uh, again, a role model for athletes of all ages of life after football. And that's what I love about doing the show is having great people such as yourself come on and tell your story of your college days and whether your NFL career or life after football and what you're doing now, because I think that that's what the game of football allowed you to do and why we love this great sport. I'm going to put all of your information up on my website, go to the two.com. I'll put all the links to your personal website up on my website. And I live in New Jersey and I'll, I'll be making, a trip into New York very shortly. We'll have lunch or dinner. Uh, we'll get together. We'll talk about those great days in Morgantown. I just want to yeah. thank you for joining me today, Gary. Great information. Love your story. I hope you enjoyed it today. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for reaching out to me. You know, you're a great person, man. You have a wonderful personality, and uh, I really enjoy talking to you. And, you know, let's not make this be the last, the first or the last one, <laughs> you know. No, not at all. Always welcome on the show. And like I said, I, I live about 40 minutes outside of New York. So next time okay. I'm in town, I'll, I'll get you up. And, and like I said, if you're available for lunch or dinner, we'll get together. All right. Definitely. That works. And I have your number. Uh, you have mine, and we'll hook up. And if I'm in a show or something, I invite you to it. You can come check it out. Sounds good, Jimmy. Thank you so much for your time. I love right. hearing about the story, and I'll be in touch. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. All right. That was Jimmy Gary, standout, standout running back, and just a great individual, former West Virginia running back from 1993 to 1995, was a part of West Virginia's stellar 1993 season. They won the play in Florida in the Sugar Bowl. But this guy, if you not ever watched him play, very tough running back. Him and Robert Walker, the epitome. It's about six foot, 220 pounds, tough runner between the tackles, played the game, again, with that blue-collar intensity that we've known from former West Virginia teams. He gave us his thoughts and opinions about his days in Morgantown, his relationship with his former teammates, and his thoughts and opinions about Dana Holderson and the current team. So just great information by a great player, great individual, Jimmy Gary. We'll have all of his information up on the website. Stay with us all season long. This is part one of Wednesday's show. Part two, Corey and I will discuss week one of the 2015 college football season. We have some marquee matchups taking place first week of the season. Corey and I will delve into some of the statistics, some of the weaknesses and strengths of some of those teams week number one stay with me all season long on the weekly blitz have a great week everyone